If you've got a Bible this morning or something that you read from, uh, I don't know if you're listening or not really. I don't know if you're yawning because you've got all the masks on. Who would have believed? <laughs> that we were, oh God, I've been going faint all morning with all these masks on me. Man, unbelievable. Uh, got a message for you this morning that I just pray will bless you and maybe just strengthen. How many know we need to be strengthened? Our walk with God. There was a, a phrase that I saw on social media last year sometime that just spoke to me. I've changed the, a little bit. Uh, the actual phrase I read says, I didn't come this far to only come this far. And I've sort of changed it a little bit to say, God didn't bring me this far to only come this far. Even as this morning was talking about people at a crossroads. If that's you this morning, it might look like a crossroads, but you're going to go through. Because God hasn't brought you to this crossroad to keep you here or to leave you here. We haven't arrived here to stay here. How many know that? I love what Terry just spoke there about, about the future of the church. The Joshua generation, Moses, my servant. God's got a plan for us, no matter what's happened in our past. How many believe that right now? God hasn't brought you to this place, no matter what it looks like, for you to stay in this place. And we just need to put our faith in what God wants to do in our future. You know, you, I don't know, I'm getting a little bit sick of the social media and all the stuff. I'm so confused. I don't know whether to have a vaccine or not. I don't know whether, you know, I don't know what to do. Everything, everyone's got an opinion about something. But the, see, the thing is, uh, God knows what he's doing. Yeah. And, and we might be in the middle of a crisis or a, a, a situation we've not seen before, but God hasn't brought us here to leave us here. Yeah. There is a future and a hope. There's a passage in Romans 8, chapter th uh, verse 31, chapter 8, verse 31, that that we, could, we probably, if you've been around a while, have quoted it a lot. Uh, but I just want to start and finish with this this morning. We'll come back to it a little bit later. The Bible says in Romans 8.31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Some of you agree with that. Some of you not sure. By the time you leave this morning... I want you to feel that you're sure that God is for you. you know, if God is, if God is for me, man, they're not as good in this crowd as they were in a 10 o'clock. They're not sure in this crowd. I guess if you get up to go to 8 o'clock, you're sure God's for you. If you sleep in, you know, you're sort of wondering, you know, you're thinking, I'll let the 8 o'clock people stir things up so we can come along and ride on the, the no, I'm just joking. If God is, for us, who can be against us? You know, the thing is, in my life, situations I find myself in, I often wonder if I behave as somebody who actually believes God's for me. You know, when I'm confronted with something, when something comes my way, is my reaction a reaction that believes, like someone who believes that God is actually for them? I know we're instructed not to change the Bible. But I want to change it a little bit today for you. I want to take the if out. I want to take the question, if God is for me. 
You ever find you, God, what, are you for me? Have you ever, you, I know the people of such great faith in Redlands would never ask this question. It's us Gold Coast sinners that would ask that question. But, but do you ever wonder, do you ever think what's in the midst of, of the unknown? God, are you for me or aren't you for me? And we need to be a people that don't ask that question. We need to be a people that actually just believe in the midst of whatever it is that God is for me. And today my hope is to give you a foundation to build that statement on. Because it's one thing to say, I know God's for me when everything's right. But it's not a matter of I wish God's for me or I hang a hope he's for me. I've got to have something more solid to build my life upon than a wish or a hope or a maybe. I need a foundation that's much stronger than that. So I want to take you through a little bit of a journey this morning in the next two hours. It says in Exodus chapter 14, I want to just go back to the Old Testament for a minute or two. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. The Bible says, When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were so convinced that God was for them. And they were so full of courage and faith that they declared that God would deliver them from this mighty army. Amen. I got the wrong Bible. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. If we've been in church long, we know the story. It's the story of Moses coming up to the Red Sea. Maybe you haven't been in church, you don't know that story. For all of us that do, we know how it ends. And sometimes we can be a little bit blasé about it because we know how it ends. But I want to I put you in the picture right now. These guys have got a serious problem. They've been 400 years, the people of Israel, in slavery in Egypt. God comes along to a guy called Moses and said, I want you to take my people out of Egypt. I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him to let my people go. So Moses, after a bit of a struggle, wondering whether it is God or not, he goes along and he asks his Pharaoh, God said, we've got to get out of here. And Pharaoh says, you're not going. So what happens is there's this dilemma that happens and, 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 and God starts to bring these plagues on the people of Egypt because Pharaoh won't release his people. And, you know, Pharaoh would relent and then renege and then relent and then renege. And God brings a series of 10 plagues on the people of Egypt, culminating in what they call the, the Passover, where all of the firstborn in Egypt actually die, except the people of Israel because they are covered now by the blood of their sacrifice. It's an important point. But what happens is Pharaoh says, okay, you can go, but then once again reneges on the promise. The people of Israel are, are fleeing to, uh, to their promised land and they come to a sea. Imagine if right now we're all fleeing and we end up at the edge of the bay. <laughs> How many know there's no way through? On one side of them, these slaves, these people who aren't warriors, don't know how to fight, got no weaponry. On one side of them, they've got the greatest army on the planet chasing them to kill them. And on the other side, they've got a sea of water. 
How many know they got a problem? They got a pretty serious, we read the story when we're familiar with it and we know what happens in the end. But I want to put myself, how were they feeling? We know how they were feeling. They were very afraid. And they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, you've taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. The problem was so big, they couldn't see God in the problem. Unbelief entered into their hearts and their language and they actually started to believe that God had brought them this far to kill them in the wilderness. Miserable, unbelieving Israel people. We would never be like that. Not the people of Redland Bay. I wish I wasn't like that. But I've got to confess, when confronted with calamity, with confronted with challenge, quite often I actually have the if in my, is God for me right now? Is he going to deliver me from this right now? Is there a way through this right now? I was saying in the earlier service, eight, nine years ago thereabouts, when you get to my age, the doctors want to test you for lots of things. They think there's more and more things that can go wrong with you the older you get, you know. So I'm going through a whole bunch of tests. My GP's saying go for this and go for that and go for everything else. They just want money, I think. But anyway, I end up, I end up at one stage as a culmination of this across the, across the desk from a specialist. And he says to me, you've got cancer. I thought, that's a good day. Lucky I'm a man full of faith. Lucky I believe God didn't bring me this far to kill me here, hey? I got lucky I, 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 I wasn't very afraid. Rubbish. I'm thinking, I, I was not expecting this. All of a sudden, bang, there's the word. You know, that one that you, whoa, what the heck? I don't know what he said for the rest of the appointment. I went home to my wife and told her. She said, what did he say? I said, I don't know. I was in shock. I wasn't a man that rose up and said, well, well this, I'm just going to overcome this. My immediate reaction was not one of it's going to be okay. Confession, right? I know I'm not like Redland Bay people. <laughs> but I've discovered that my walk of faith, the, you know, the goal of my walk of faith is to be able to handle the challenges of life like I'm believing that God is for me, no matter what happens in my life. I believe he's, I believe he's for me. Amen. If we've read the story, we know the outcome, don't we? They get to the Red Sea. God gives Moses some instructions. He lifts his rod and the sea parts. And go, they go through dry land. The Egyptians follow and they're all wiped out. How many of that's pretty, that's pretty intense? That's a miracle right there. I mean, anybody seen that? Anybody, you know, want to go to Russell Island and the sea just goes, okay, come over. Just walk on. You don't need a boat around here. 
Just walk straight. How many know that's amazing? Because God comes through for His people. God is so committed to them. God demonstrates His love and His power. He parts the sea. The Egyptians get caught up in it all and they're on their journey. How many know that's amazing? And they've seen God move. And so they never doubt Him again. Until chapter 15. Three days later. How many knows parting of a sea would last longer than three days? Three days later, there's nothing to drink. The waters they come to are bitter. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Okay, he parted the Red Sea. But how do we know he'll give us a drink? We're thirsty. Maybe he parted the Red Sea to bring us here to die of thirst. So what does God do? He says, Moses, strike the water. The water becomes sweet and they've got plenty to drink. God turns up with his power and his love and his mercy and he makes the waters sweet for them to drink and they never doubt him again. (laughs) Until chapter 16. (laughs) Because in chapter 16, they've now got no food. So, okay, we got the waters at the Red Sea done and we got the drink, but now we've got nothing to eat. So in chapter 16, verse 3, the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and we ate bread to the full. You have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us and the whole assembly with hunger. I don't know about you. If I'm God, I'm getting sick of this. You know, I've parted seas, I've made water sweet, but God in His love and His mercy and the demonstration of His commitment to them rained down manna from heaven and fed them again. And they never doubted Him again until chapter 17. And I won't go through it. They're thirsty again in chapter 17. And I so notice myself in this story that God has proved faithful to me so often and yet in the midst of the next calamity I'm still unable to answer the question do I really believe that he's for me and that's something that today Elevation Church we need to answer that question we need to build that on a solid foundation so that every time a dark cloud does appear on our horizon, we don't give way. We don't lose our confidence in who He is, but we stand. You know that, that, that it's, it's a bit like every time a challenge came, it's like, you know, on a cloudy day. The sun's still shining, but the cloud comes between us and our enjoyment of the sun. And every time we allow challenges to come our way, it's like a dark cloud comes between us and God and we cease to enjoy the presence. How many love singing that song about His presence this morning? We can't let clouds come between us and Him. And that's the journey that I think we're all on. I want to go back for a minute to Exodus chapter 14, where we started. 
The people were greatly afraid. The people thought God had brought them to the edge of the Red Sea to kill them there. But there was another person in their midst. Moses was in their midst. And in verse 13 and verse 14, the Bible says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. There is something different about Moses to the people. It's the same army coming after them. It's the same sea that's before them. And yet Moses' reaction is totally different to the reaction of the people. Moses declares what God will do. And this is what I love about that that, that verse of Scripture. It says, you will hold your peace. Do you know, I believe the, the, the greatest demonstration of my faith is to be able to hold my peace in the midst of calamity. Because then I really believe God is for me. When a challenge comes my way, then I really know whether I believe whether God is for me. And Moses makes this declaration and he says, you'll hold your peace. How many want peace? How many want peace? Not, peace is not the absence of problems. As I know that's an old age saying there, that it's, not, it's the presence of God. But it is so true, isn't it? It's being able to see God in the midst of the dilemma rather than looking at the dilemma and then finding out, trying to find out where God is. Today, my prayer for every one of us, my prayer for me, is that whatever life throws at me, I'll be able to find my peace. So what was the difference? How come Moses was able to respond one way and the people the other? There's a, there's a verse in, in Psalm 103 verse 7 where the Bible says this, He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. Here's the thing. Moses knew the ways or the character, or Moses knew who God was. The people just knew what he did. Moses was able to trust God to bring them through because he knew God. Whereas the people just saw the demonstration of his power. As much as that was still a demonstration of his mercy and his love and his commitment to them, all they did was they measured God by what he did for them last, not who he was. So there was a Red Sea and he did great things, but now there's bitter waters and they don't know him. So they still wonder, will he, will he make the water sweet? And he makes the water sweet, but then there's no food and they don't know him. So they don't know whether they can trust him and they lose their peace. Can I tell you this morning, the way to maintain your peace is to not look for what he'll do for you, but to get to know him. The book of Isaiah chapter 26 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Not just trusts in what you did in the past. He trusts in you. How many know Job had some issues? 
some big things to confront. Job 22, 21. I love this. It says, now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. An old writer in the 1800s that I've read a lot of uh, comments on that little passage of scripture there. And he says this, his name's Charles Henry McIntosh. And he says, for true knowledge of God is life and peace. The more intimate our acquaintance, the more solid our peace. God is a rock and we only need to lean our whole weight on him to know how ready and able he is to sustain us. Acquaint yourself. The degree of your peace depends on the degree of your acquaintance. So my challenge is to not seek God that he would deliver me, but to know who he is. It's very interesting where, where, where it says that Moses knew his ways and the people of Israel knew his acts. That's Psalm 103, famous psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And then the psalmist goes on to list a whole bunch of benefits. I believe they're they're benefits because they're benefits that bring peace to our lives in the absence or in the presence of calamity. He says, He forgives all my sins. How many know guilt, condemnation and shame rob you of your peace? My Bible says He forgives. My Bible says I have peace with God through Jesus Christ, my Saviour. If you're here this morning and you've got guilt, shame around your life, the presence of God's here to bring you peace this morning, to forgive you all of your iniquities. How many know in the presence of illness we can lose our peace? But the Bible says He heals all my diseases. How many know that when our life loses its way, we lose our purpose, our sense of purpose, it robs us of our peace. The psalmist says, he redeems my life from destruction. He gives me my purpose back. How many know relationships go sour? It can rob us of our peace. But the psalmist says, he crowns, me with love and kindness because he wants to put the peace back not just to do a miracle for me but because of who he is because of who he is because he's for you today in the midst of whatever's going on in your life. I want us to go back. I said earlier we were going to go back to Romans 8. We're going to go there right now. And this is, this is so important. The thing that I believe was the difference between Moses and the people. The thing that I believe is the biggest difference between the times that Gary 
responds with peace and Gary responds with turmoil. I know when I do it and there's a difference and it's built on the foundation of why I can take the if out, if that makes sense. You know, I said this morning that I want us to take the if out. We will never take the if out because we want to. We will never take it out because we wish God is for us or we, 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 we hope maybe He's for us. We need something firm that lets us know that God is for us, no matter what happens. In the Bible here, the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, I believe gives us the answer to what the people of Israel forgot and what Gary Hurrigan forgets oh so often. It says in verse 28, we know that all things work together for those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among brethren. Therefore, whom He predestined, He called. Whom He called, He justified. Whom He justified, He also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then, in verse 32, Paul tells us why we can put our trust in Him being for us. It says in verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things. I don't wish God's for me. I don't hope God is for me. I know God is for me. Not because I want Him to be. Not because I wish Him to be. But because He demonstrated His love for me when He gave His only Son to shed His blood in my place. He gave His Son. When I deserve to die in my sin, He gave His Son to replace it. He gave His Son to take my place. He gave, he gave up His Son for me. So when I have to face a Red Sea, when I have to face bitter waters, when I have to face a health dilemma, I pray that there will come a day that the, my first reaction is not the dilemma, but the fact that God gave His Son up for me. Surely with Him, He will give me everything else that pertains to my life and to godliness. The people of Israel forgot that the blood had been placed over the doorposts of their dwellings to protect them. You and I so often forget that the blood of Jesus was shed for my protection, for my well-being, for my eternity and for my future. So why can I be at peace? Moses saw the blood over the doorposts. So he was able to say, 
Stand still and see the salvation of your Lord. A Red Sea is no problem for a God who would shed the blood of his son for me. A cancer battle is no problem for a God who would shed the blood of his son for me. A financial dilemma, a broken relationship, whatever it might be, is no problem for a God who would shed the blood of his son for you. This morning, would you close your eyes with me? My prayer today, my prayer today is that you will leave this place and you will no longer need to ask, is he for me? If he's for me, I wonder. He may well have parted a Red Sea for me, but I wonder if he'll deliver me from my current dilemma. This morning, you can take the if out. Not because Gary said you can, but because he gave his son for you. Man, I can have confidence in that. No longer do I have to enter into the language of unbelief when I'm faced with a, with a challenge in my life. If I could just remember every day, God, you gave your son for me. How much more will you freely give me all things? The Apostle Peter says he's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness because he didn't spare his own son. Maybe you're in this place this morning and, and you don't know God. You haven't, you haven't got a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't know. You haven't heard of this God that is so committed to you that he would freely give his son to die in your place. Today, I wanted to declare to you, that's the God I serve. That's the Father of, of, of my Saviour, Jesus Christ, that He would give His own Son to die in your place, that you may have freedom, that you may have forgiveness of sins, that you may live in peace and in eternity with Him, no matter what this world throws at you. Today, I want to declare the good news of Jesus Christ to you, that God gave His Son to die in your place, that you may live in peace with Him in the midst of whatever happens in this world. All you've got to do is put your faith in Him. All you've got to do is declare, believe in your heart, Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Believe that He died for you and that He rose again. And as As said this morning, we do that symbolically in the waters of baptism we, where, where, we, where we rise into the newness of life because of what Jesus Christ has done. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you want to put your faith in Him. Why don't we pray as a church right now? Every one of us need to do this. Father, out loud, Father, thank you for giving up your Son. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you, Lord that today I can be forgiven of all my past. I can enter into eternal life and I can live in peace because of my faith in you. I receive you now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.